gentlemen, you are coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, on Welcome everyone, You're, we're coming to you live from Strathclyde Fusion Towers, 14 uh, stories uh, above the Glasgow wet and hailstony skyline this evening. I am your host Stephen Louch. Um, tonight we will be discussing, in a Valentine's Day theme, will be the, the couples of wrestling. Um, we're going to cover off a variety of them as we go through, so get ready for a whistle stop tour that will uh, make your night feel very full and... Um, yeah, it's just going to be a really good Valentine's Day chat. And as we go through, I have a very busy panel of romantic love horns here tonight too, I'm sure. As soon as we finish, we'll be speeding off to their next romantic date or to burn their thumb off on Tinder. <laughs> to my right, I have the EP extraordinaire, the man with a Rolodex, that thick he could choke a donkey. It is Kwaku. I don't even know what to say to that, but hello. Yeah, Where do you keep your numbers? Uh, I played the first. <laughs> and the six and the seven, but yeah. he doesn't like to brag. To my left, we have two newcomers to our panel. Um, we have what I will combine as the best friends of Scottish wrestling. <laughs> it is Gemma and Sarah. Hi, Evening, guys. ladies. You need to come into the microphone. Oh. See the, the, the thing that picks up the sound? Yeah. Yeah, those that. Hi, Louch. Hiya. Hi. And we have over uh, the next one along, the King of PowerPoint, who today told me he wasn't able to make a table in Word. The new advancing contender in the Cruiserweight Tournament. The I can't say the Maharaja Majwaja thing, but he is David Hockney. Hi, how you doing? I'm good, yourself? Uh, I had an unsuccessful campaign in for running for 205 Live GM. That's why I was off the last couple of weeks, but it's good to be back anyway. Good stuff. Moving the microphone to let us hear his dulcet tones, we have Andy. Hey, how's it going? Uh, good yourself? Uh, great, Tal. Good. And last but not least, before we wrap up to finish the show, because it's taken us that long to get around the panel, when I was told David Campbell was coming in, I was disappointed it wasn't Thompson at the end of it. But David, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to get started. Let's get to it. Yeah, can you just give us an oh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's about bad gusto. You need to pull it up for doing here, all the way up to here. Ooh. <laughs> nah, I was like no, Macho no, Man no, right there. No, oh, I'm, no, I'm even more disappointed. Yeah. I'm, I'm not coming back till we get Thompson. <laughs> right. Let's crack on. Don't know why I clapped. It's a new thing. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to um, our show. So today it is couples themed. Uh, we will keep it PG as always on as we broadcast live across Glasgow, the West and anywhere that has an internet connection. So in terms of my fandom as being the elder statesman amongst the people that tend to come in and join the show, uh, my early memories of the, the couples in wrestling started with the Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. So they came together with Elizabeth beating off a host of the prime managers at the time, such as Bobby Heenan, Jimmy Hart and several others to um, win the services to be Macho Man's manager. Started off with a very a role was kind of in the background as he was a, a bit of a bad guy and 
didn't always look to be treating her in the best fashion. Um, then moved on and then became the sympathetic part of his acting. We've seen them her being a major asset in things like WrestleMania and SummerSlam of 89, I believe. Panel, who would like to get me started off with Macho Man and Elizabeth? The original power couple, essentially. That's the, the only way you can describe Macho Man and Elizabeth. Like, see, I think when I first saw them, it was like WrestleMania 3 when he was uh, Intercontinental Champion defending against Ricky Steamboat. You could see, like, you know, straight away the, the chemistry was, was right there and they were obviously made for each other. Uh, but then obviously they had a few ups and downs when they became, like, they joined up with Hulk Hogan and became the mega powers and sort of Miss Elizabeth became the focal point for that. But that's kind of how the sort of power couple storyline sort of start to devolve a bit, don't they? Yeah, and it's one that I remember um, <clears throat> getting the videos from Global Video at the time and seeing how everything came together. So we've seen. Um, there was a match, I think it was a Saturday night main event, where we seen Macho and Hogan teaming up, Miss Elizabeth got a bit hurt, got rushed to the back, Hogan went to look after her, with the infamous moment of, are we on air brother? <laughs> and then we seen a feud start that went to Mania 5 and we seen Hulk Hogan taking the title there. David? Yeah, what's well, also interesting, even before the breakup and the story with Hulk Hogan, um, is how Elizabeth was sort of used within the storylines before that to hint at that breakup. You've seen in the rivalries between Savage and George Steele, and especially the Honky Top Man, that jealousy um, that Savage felt with anyone else attracting Elizabeth's attention start to come at the fold. Um, and you had the, obviously the Slammy, the first ever Slammy Awards when he presented the Women of the Year um, to Miss Elizabeth, and Savage cut rushes on the stage when he starts to make advances. It's sort of yeah, it was a very interesting long-term storytelling by the WWF at that time. No, uh, Andy. Don't know how to follow on from that, but uh, yeah, I always remember. How long were they together? Was it seven years or ten years? I don't have the stats, and David's yeah. currently eating a tea cake, so he won't have them <laughs> to hand either. But no, but you always remember them. They were always that power couple. I know, like you see, like Stephanie and Triple H is that now, but it's kind of they set the mold. They were kind of the first sort of. You know, you always just remember, you can't think of Matchman without thinking of uh, Miss Elizabeth and, you know, just that kind of power couple. I think they're the, the best one so far. Yeah, easily. I think <laughs> you, you can't have sort of imitators, but you've also got originators and Macho Man and Elizabeth were definitely the originators of the power couple, as it were. But yeah, I think they were together for about seven years, I think. You were, you were right there first time. What I'm going to talk about now on them is their split. So we've seen them separate ways. We've seen Macho Man become the Macho King. He took on Queen Sherry. And they then went through a, a spell with Sherry being very integral in his matches and getting involved in many, many angles. Leading up to uh, Royal Rumble 91. And we've seen Sherry begging the Ultimate Warrior to give Macho Man an opportunity. And then getting involved and and the title match and costing the Ultimate Warrior the championship with the strike of the scepter over... Oh, no, she distracted, and then it was uh, Macho King that uh, struck Warrior with the scepter and then caused the... What are you doing? <laughs> um, so that led on to Mania 7, and on the panel, someone tell me that they didn't shed a tear, because you'll be lying, but... 
Uh, David, see, I see you I in the corner smiling, so I'll let you go on here. I definitely did, and it's the it cuts to the crowd and the road shows how effective that story was. Uh, you see all the men and the women in the front uh, shedding tears at this moment, leading up. This is what they wanted. Yes, Savage and Elizabeth are back together. It's just really heartfelt moment. It's one of those uh, great iconic moments that WWE like, obviously wants to keep going on about. Oh, Andy. Yeah, I like that moment because uh, Macho Man like at first assumes that Elizabeth's the one that's attacking him because when because Sherry's attacking Macho Man and then uh, Elizabeth comes in from the crowd and like Macho Man's on his knees isn't he? and he turns around and he thinks it's uh, Elizabeth that's attacking him and then it's kind of it's just a great moment when he's got her on his uh, shoulder and just like raise her high. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember watching that uh, at um, that SummerSlam moment. I think it goes down as probably one of the most emotional nights of. Uh, of the eighty, if the the nineties, uh, if not probably the most of all, most emotional of all time. And did that not lead then lead up? No, no. There was the wedding before or after that. No, the wedding was after that. So yeah. the, uh, took the the coming back together happened at WrestleMania seven. Uh huh. And then it was SummerSlam ninety two because it was a match made in heaven and a match made in hell. That's right. Um, where we seen the, the wedding at the end of the night and led on to the angle with Jake the Snake and the Undertaker attacking the engagement party afterwards and the reinstatement of the Macho Man from there. Yes, I think that's the only wedding that there's not been an attack at. It was the reception, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a few like weddings and stuff during the, the noughties and stuff and they all ended with uh, maybe a priest getting tombstoned or the set getting destroyed most of the time. But yeah, I think this was the only wedding that went off without a hitch. Without a hitch, that's speaking quite strongly when a cobra came out with one of the presents at the reception. So <laughs> I, I'd, I'd call that a pretty bad night at a wedding, but uh, yeah, certainly the ceremony went through and it left a very good feel-good uh, ending to uh, that night. Quacko, it's not Monday, it's not late night. <laughs> Keep your innuendos for there. <laughs> Moving on, um, I'm going to start move a bit more into um, some of the stuff that came after, came before that um, where we started to see our first acknowledgement of an off-screen relationship was a time where Rick Rude was entertaining ladies at ringside with letting them come in and take off his robe and one time he made the mistake of getting a woman up called Cheryl who turned out to be Cheryl Roberts, wife of Jake the Snake Roberts I've seen a lot of nodding going on at the other side, so I'm just going to go to Andy first. Yeah, I watched that today, and the thing that makes me laugh is uh, McMahon has a quote that says, I think that's uh, this is very demeaning myself, and I just thought that was very ironic considering what he ends up doing later. Yeah, don't talk about don't talk about Vince and his uh, relationship with his uh, his uh, the female talent and stuff. But yeah, was um, Rick Rude? Was that not a time when he was wearing like uh, his tights? featured like faces of different women and different airbrushing yeah yeah different airbrushing and one of them actually featured cheryl roberts herself on his tights yeah that was quite a controversial moment it's like was he just like lusting after mrs roberts as it were i don't know if it was a tool but david yeah it was awesome to see that come back a few months ago with the velveteen dream obviously paying homage to that uh, takeover yeah. with alistair black's face and um, what i actually watched that footage yesterday and what really shocked me about it was how bad cheryl roberts is as an actress like you can tell she's <laughs> his real life wife like it was te- for wrestling standards it really was a uh, appalling acting <laughs> Acting has never been the most serious point of wrestling, um, <laughs> especially for a. We'll, we'll give her our credit. She was never a trained uh, performer in any shape or form. She was just there one night, and it was a little way to get some extra money. 
passed her way um, because I believe at the time she was actually on to try and help keep Jake in the, the straight and narrow which is why she was on tour with him and became part of the matches so it wasn't all about the story it was about just trying to keep him out of the pub really David, yeah, the yeah it wasn't um, it wasn't like the first time like an, uh, a wrestler's real life wife uh, kept on supporting them and became an integral part of the story because there is an example of that which I'll uh, I'll bring up later on but yeah I think it's sort of um, it's not unnatural for uh, spouses to follow their partners on the road is it no, we have, it's something we have seen since, but that's certainly one of the earliest ones I can remember with someone who's not been in the industry, certainly being part of that. Moving a bit closer to the era we talked earlier on about, the, the wonderful and uh, late and great Sherry Martell Hall of Famer, which the uh, Hall of Fame will be discussed in more detail next week's show. Sensational Sherry. She is, in all shapes and forms, a true athlete, performer and sensational. But did I say something else? No. Oh, you're just throwing it in, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I said sensational, not you. Right, I, I, I thought I'd said something. And you're not hearing voices. Me. You're not Randy. You're not hearing voices in your head. Well, I wasn't hearing them a minute ago with the earphones, so I'm just picking up <laughs> again, hearing what everybody's saying. So, moving on to the nineties, we've seen Sherry move on after she had the split with uh, the Macho King. Uh, she took her place alongside a recently uh, turned heel, Shawn Michaels. So we've seen Shawn Michaels um, turn on Matt Jannetty with a very memorable barbershop segment and then we started seeing her aligning herself with him and then she was then became pretty similar to what she'd done before became part of the matches and got involved on it um any panel got any very sensational <laughs> sherry and sean memories uh, um was it not uh i believe was it not true that uh sherry actually was the backing singer for hbk's sexy boy theme yeah, yeah, I think she, she took the lead on the original one, uh-huh. um, and then later when they split up, he then re-recorded it with his own vocals over it. Right. Yeah, no, because I, I remember, uh, I think, she, when she reappeared in 2005 in a segment with Kurt Angle, I think that's, uh, he tried to do Sexy Kurt, and he had her doing the sort of backing vocals the, with the, it. The choral parts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of my sort of earliest memories of Sensational Sherry. It was one that had quite an acrimonious split. Um, we've seen Sean use Sherry against the returning Marty, the first time we'd really seen him since the barbershop incident, and pulled Sherry into, into the way, and she took Sean's vanity mirror right over her head, and then that led to her siding with Marty, and that spot them up, and that was supposed to lead to a match at WrestleMania 9, it never really took place, because Marty had many demons, that maybe if, if he'd, he'd had his wife on the road, maybe could have kept him in a bit more straight and narrow as well. <laughs> Um, I just want to say to everybody, the girls are still here, um, we're just co- we're just concentrating on what people's area, and uh, since they're both very, very young and beautiful ladies, um, the 90, early 90s are not their strong points, we will be, when we come into the 2000s, we'll be hearing everything from Sarah and Gemma. And Andy and David, have you got any other memories of Sherry and Sean before we move on from there? I don't have any many memories specifically, but I just want to say to anyone listening, if you do find that mirror, it is beautiful and I want it. So, um, <laughs> it was a heart shaped and it lights on it. Um, oh, it's brilliant. And it it's, sings to you. Yeah. I can't remember it singing to you, but um, we'll have a, have a look at my bag later and we'll see what we've got. It's back. a modern edition. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what we can get there. Um, so that was one of the early 90s once. Um, it then moved through as wrestling in the mid 90s hit a bit of a slump and things started to come around. We started to see a bit more glitz and glamour so we started to see some of the early divas errors that, uh, 
females that we'd spoke about in our uh, show probably a month or so ago now um, about the, the Divas era of wrestling. So we've seen likes of Sunny uh, appear and she was managing tag teams at the time and Two's Company frees a crowd so we won't be discussing her with the tag teams tonight. So I'm going to discuss um, where we've seen probably quite always described as an androgynous character was the rise of the man still kicking it up on Monday Night Raw and the Mix Match Challenge, which we'll discuss later, was Goldust, who was accompanied by Marlena. So, Goldust and Marlena. <laughs> that, to me, was... Initially, when you seen that on TV, it was a pairing that you weren't really sure what was going on because Goldust was so androgynous um, that you weren't sure what the connection was. Later became out that they were a uh, husband and wife, uh, they had a kid together, and that was seen the part of the, the Goldust uh, face turn in 1997. Also at that time, we seen Mark Merrow, the former Johnny B. Bad, come across from WCW, and we seen the on-screen debut of his wife Sable, who went on to become a much larger star, I'd say, than poor Marvelous. And she went on and had her own run, and was the initial uh, of the revitalised women's title, Holder in 1998. So, on from there, we've seen people that then started to become more of a. When we start to see our couples, it became more of them being joined together in action. And that's where we've seen Triple H, good old Hunter, Uncle Paul. Uncle Paul. Uncle, Uncle Paul. Paul. Yeah. As he is now known around Glasgow. Uh, then, um, when he first appeared, they had a male bodyguard in Mr. Hughes. And then we seen disappeared and then became the rival of the ninth wonder of the world, China. What are people's memories of China and Triple H? Hockney, on you go. Uh, well, obviously, seeing them together in Degeneration X was probably the, the earliest memory. And, you know, it just goes to show it wasn't just like um, Triple H and his bodyguard, China. I think China was already a big star in her own right because she wasn't, you know, the, t- the typical sort of. Um, diva that looked like a specific way, like a model type or anything. She was she was well muscular, very very athletic, and you know she broke down so many barriers before the women's revolution, as it were, of the modern era really kicked <laughs> off. So if anything, she was the the original trailblazer, and just seeing them two together, you know, it was like the very much the passing of the guard. You know, it was the the big, arguably the biggest heel of the the twentieth. 21st century transition along with the the original trailblazing woman uh, at the time yeah and uh, i think some of the memories i have is when you seen her first appear she grabbed marlena from the front row of the crowd and absolutely ragdolled her if you ever see the clip of that you've never seen a human can bend in ways like that um the other memories when dx became a thing so we've seen her in the early days with just sean and triple h and she was definitely they played up on the more sexual side of her character um, where she wasn't seen as a classically beautiful woman, but they did s- pointed out that she had certain improvements uh, to her body um, that had taken place in a very short period of time, and we started to see that as more of the attitude era started to come out, so the DX Christmas, things like that. Um, any other moments uh, when we're talking Triple H in China that people... Uh, Sarah, jump on in. Hi. Yeah, no, I think probably what I remember most is... See, when it came to China winning that spot to go against Stone Cold Steve Austin at SummerSlam, and obviously Triple H is like, I want that spot, give me that spot. And you just see her turn around and go, 
no, and literally walk away. I think that was probably like probably like my favourite moment because I'm just watching going, that's obviously a woman that's taking control and that's what I admired most about that. Yeah, that was that, that was something that jumped around that night. I think they had like three or four separate matches to work out that number one contender yeah. and ended up in the triple threat. David? And that's uh, actually the night of their relationship I wanted to focus on because mm. I think it shows when we're looking at all these power couples and um, what should come out of that pairing is you get the best out of both people. You saw Triple H is conniving best <laughs> and you saw China getting to play that straight person, you know, oh, yeah. in her comedic timing when she delivers the let me think about it. Like, no, no, it's absolutely perfect and uh, she does the same to mankind later on in the night. It was so incredibly sassy. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it's so it almost good. seemed natural as well. The fact know. you know, they actually <laughs> felt like a natural relationship between them. Yeah, Andy, yeah, they've worked together in real life for years. Uh, yeah, it's like um, she was just great. She was like in terms of she was like the first woman to do what was it, King of the Ring, Royal Rumble, Intercontinental Champion, number one contender for the World Champion. Mm-hmm. And it was funny enough because uh, Vince didn't think it was believable to have her as Triple H's bodyguard. It was like it took a lot of pressure from him to tell him it would be good because the way she looks and stuff because she was what was it she was nearly the same height as the guys and just massive um yeah and it was a shame that as things went on we've seen them split up they've done their own thing we've seen china go on and seen some other relationships that came from well, well she was in DX as well whether at the time because they never played them up as being an off-screen couple so it didn't let, let her go off and do her own thing and I remember there being moments such as Mark Henry trying to date her during the, the DX and National Domination feud we had them um, take her out, out. Um, I can't remember the line now it's something about um, can't be lonely you've got a song in your heart or something like that that he was really he, he, he played quite a sympathetic character and then just got led into a very awkward situation which we probably can't describe at this time of night because standards these days are such that we would not see something like that happen on TV but certain things did happen to him during that feud with China so moving on from the Triple H in China we've seen then um, as they split off and were doing their own things so China was chasing the Intercontinental title around that time we'd seen um, Stephanie um, was being pursued by Test and that then led to the w- uh, again we'll talk about a wedding this one was just a day too late because the night before Triple H had taken Stephanie and through a drive-in in Vegas and they were then married this then led on to a feud where we've seen Vince go against Triple H and what was this thunder in the skyline? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thought the building was falling down. It just turns out there's thunder in Glasgow. So stay in if you're listening. Listen to the rest of the show. It's too horrible to go outside. Then that then led to Vince and Triple H at Armageddon, and we've seen the start of a relationship that we've now seen in various different guises. That we'll go through. We'll, we're just going to discuss them in long form at this point to cover off everything to do with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. So, Andy, when they got together, I think that was the around the time when uh, WWF was on Channel Four, and that's when I remember really getting into it, and they were like ruling the show, and uh, it was just it was interesting. Year two thousand was probably one of the best wrestling years, and mostly because you had the heel faction like uh, the Helmsley McMahon regime. Oh, the regime! Uh, the McMahon Helmsley regime. Yep, another uh, another um, noticeable time in in the Attitude Era. Um, 
Yeah, the, the feud with uh, Vince and Test, I think that's sort of really... Because they were they were sort of dating at the time, but they weren't like an official couple as of yet. Would that be fair to say? Well, Hunter and Stephanie. Yeah. No, they were allegedly um, doing a bit of messing around. Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, but they what they weren't dating in any form at that point. That the, the actual relationship came um, a good while after they'd been on screen together. Yeah, there was a lot of like uh, backstage heat about it as well because you know Stephanie, boss's daughters. Uh, working with, uh, or sorry, dating with uh, one of our employees, uh, it does, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't believe it wouldn't create maybe a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, controversy backstage, as it were. So, I mean, work really, I mean, it sort of brings up the subject of work relationships. Do they really work? Uh, and I think this is one of the exceptional cases where if push came to shove, it really does work out in the end. But it always helps if it's the ultimate boss's daughter and you're one of the best wrestlers of all time. <laughs> uh, David... Yeah, um, what interests me about uh, Triple H and Stephanie's relationship was when they finally broke it off on WWE TV when I started watching it. They pretended it didn't exist for years and years. They just, they'd have like subtle jokes about it. I remember back when Stephanie had like one of her first babies, must be about 2006, Triple H was making one-liners backstage about it all the time and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, wasn't that like the time of the, the, the DX revival in yeah. 2006? Yeah, it was like, uh, Sean was teasing like, Stephanie's in labour. I wonder who the daddy is and stuff, yeah. and you could see Triple H just pulling the cheeky face, like, mm. <laughs> It's great. Um, but then they really brought it back in style, I think it was uh, in the lead-up to his feud with Randy Orton, going into WrestleMania 25, and Randy Orton putting Stephanie in the head on Raw is really what brought that sort of personal edge to it, which had a bit more gravitas, especially if fans have sort of been invested in their relationships since, like you say, in the late 90s, you know what I mean, leading up to that. Yeah, that's kind of when it sort of came out of kayfabe a bit, that it's uh, during the feud with Orton towards Mania 25, that's when he revealed, yeah, they are married and Vince is his father-in-law and stuff. And I think he even addressed it in a promo the following week. So I'll say, yep, surprise, surprise, uh, uh, Triple H and Stephanie are married in real life. Yeah. Because we had seen their first on-screen backup, just to take it back a little bit, was um, they had been together, he'd had uh, Triple H taking his time off, uh, with his quad injury and then when they came back there was the feud um, that then led into Mania where they had um, Stephanie siding with Jericho um, so they'd had this, this ceremony to renew their vows and we'd seen that happen and Triple H suss out that it was all just a sham and then go off in his own way and we've seen Stephanie go off and do different things and lead BGM as Smackdown and stuff. Andy? Yeah, I was just saying that uh, it was really like bad soap opera because it was, what is it, uh, Stephanie was pregnant so she renewed the vows and then it was at a backstage segment where uh, Linda rung Triple H and he's like, hey, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, he's like, oh, just to tell you, that was an actor, that wasn't a real doctor and then oh. it, it yeah, was just so bad that. acting. Oh. <laughs> Cringy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think any segment involving Linda McMahon <laughs> requires the most suspension of disbelief of anything <laughs> in wrestling. <laughs> Um, there are rock formations with more charisma than when that woman's got a microphone in front of her. I'm sure she's a lovely woman um, in real life, but does not translate to camera. Mm. Andy, Sorry. you're going to add something there? There is a great Vince McMahon quote that I heard on another podcast, and it's like, yeah. I do love Linda, but she's not a performer. Oh, uh, bless, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> well, he'll be a bit disappointed on pa Valentine's evening, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> hope he's listening in. To get his entertainment now. Hi, Vince. AJ Nakamura to main event WrestleMania 34, please. <laughs> All right. 
I think he's just tuned off, but thanks for that. <laughs> so th- they have been the power couple for a long time. We've seen them come back in, inside and we've seen Stephanie B at that on-screen leader role again. We've seen her come back and uh, certainly being in front of the camera puts a lot of wrestlers in uncomfortable positions and we're yet to see uh, the payoff in that. And that's where there's been a lot of speculation that when Ronda Rousey starts throwing people about, one of the first of them will be Stephanie. And I think there's been a lot of people waiting a long time to really see her get her come up into front of the screen because we've seen it with the likes of Daniel Bryan, etc. She can be quite domineering over people and we just don't ever see that revenge. Have uh, Triple H and Stephanie ever been... Well, I'm sure they've had at least a couple of mixed tag matches before, but have they ever... Did they ever like have any high-profile mixed tag matches at all? You're a resident WWE expert. If you can't that, remember, well, I don't to, know my, how to my on. knowledge, I don't think Triple H and Stephanie have ever had a mixed tag match before. No. Mm. I think they might have taken on the Rock and Lita. I, I'm oh, thinking something like Yeah, something like that. that. Wait, actually, I think that does ring a bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm not entirely sure. I've been off for two weeks. My stats are a little bit rusty today. <laughs> and I think Andy's going to come <laughs> in here and add something to this. Uh, Kurt Angle and Trish, or is that thinking uh, someone else? If you are aware of a match involving Triple H and Stephanie, our, suple- our suplex, our suplex, uh, our Twitter is at suplex retweet, or you can find us at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Facebook. Please then leave us a comment, even if you want to share a YouTube link or something like that. Um, let everyone listening in see what's happened there. So um, we'll do it. We'll give you credit if you throw that into us. So as as, as one of the most um, long-term couples that we've seen on screen. Before we finish up discussing Triple H and Stephanie, any other lasting comments or anything that anybody would like to see them happen between them as perhaps they get a bit deeper into their career? They will, I imagine they'll become the power couple of WWE within the next five years at least because Vince has sort of turned his attention to the XFL which he's bringing back in 2020 and as a result he's giving slightly more creative control towards Triple H and I imagine Stephanie is going to be involved with the, the women's division a lot more. So I can clearly see these two being the ones that run WWE within the next few years, and they will cement themselves as the power couple of wrestling. No doubt about it. And if that doesn't get him an invite in for his second interview for the GM of 205 Live, then nothing will. So, going to move on to one of the more fun couples of the Attitude Era was we've seen two people come together from from different families who, let's just say, loved a bit of a squabble. We've seen Molly come from the Holly family, and we've seen um, Spike come from those damn Dudley boys. Andy? Yeah, I think this was uh, WWE trying to... Sorry. <laughs> just, like, breaking the mic. I think that was WWE trying to do their uh, Romeo and Juliet storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only thing I remember is the, the petition that Austin goes around, and he's like... Can you get your bimbo girlfriend to do it? And Spike Dudley like just goes crazy and rips up the form, and then is in a match with uh, Stone Cold later that night and gets his yeah. behind uh, kicked. So it was also one of them that was one of these across the barricades type story. So we had um, Molly was on the WWE side, Spike was on the the Alliance, the WWE WCW ECW team up there. Um, we've seen them have some like sweet moments. We've seen Spike standing up against the likes of Austin, and Austin had a really good run that year, and having matches that weren't always the most obvious. So we'd seen him 
faced the likes of uh, Spike and have a really good match as he um, worked his way through the summer and helped keep him quite fresh and it's probably something we don't see as often these days as someone quite low down the card working with the top end guys that um, just gives you a little something different to see each week. Um, I'd definitely be a proponent of things like that coming back and we've seen Molly come back at the Rumble and look in fantastic shape and from all accounts is an absolute wonderful person as well and we discussed her on the Diva show so um, I'll quit singing our plaudits on that. Then, to finish up the first half of the show, we're going to go to one of the more diverse couples in wrestling. The wonderful, the ever-long, Mae Young and sexual chocolate Mark Henry. David has leaped up in his seat with genuine excitement. <laughs> Come on, David, there let's is only, There is only one segment that defines their relationship. Because, uh, but I think I should hand it over to someone else uh, yeah. to explain it in more detail. Is that you thrown back to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm opening it up to the other two sitting next to me here. If uh, any of them want to chip in, I do know this is uh, May Young's the reason Channel Four stopped uh, showing WWF. So yeah, so we did have that wonderful moment of for those of us who didn't have Sky at the time, unlike. Quacko with his massive cable package. We had. <laughs> you hear that, ladies? Quacko's got a massive cable package. We finish at seven, form a queue at the door. Anyway, cable television package. I can't anymore. Right. Let's all compose ourselves here. We've still got another, just under an hour to go. Andy's lost it. Right, we've got a show here, people. Come on, professionals. That was me banging the table. That it wasn't the thunder outside, so I apologise for that, people. So, on the train to through to Glasgow this morning, I was listening to "Killing the Town" with Storm and Cyrus. And if anybody's ever heard Lance Storm in any form of discussion, he has the most straight-laced and straightforward. Um, don't turn down the background. <laughs> uh, he's very straight-laced, very forward, and just tells things like they are. So to hear him tell this ver- version of events was quite wonderful and had me chuckling away in the train and the rest of the carriage probably thinking, who's this nutter laughing away on a Wednesday morning? So, apparently, so we did see, that I think the highlight or low light, whatever way you want to look at it, of Mae Young and Mark Henry's um, run together was that she fell pregnant at the age of whatever the hell she was at the time. Um, wonder of modern science and we've seen a segment take place on Raw that was probably more gruesome than the night that Channel 4 decided you know this wrestling, it just isn't for us which was where she revealed herself in a swimsuit competition so on this night they discovered that her pregnancy was due to come to an end and when they got everybody around the table, so I think we've seen the likes of Pat Patterson many experienced people around her and she gave birth to a hand yes a hand and even even with my limited uh, experience in biology at school, I know that's not the normal thing that comes out of a pregnancy. So the story apparently is, see in the early early 20th century, um, women's entertainment products couldn't be sold as such. So you had to have something that was sold as a, as a massaging aid. And the story allegedly is, is that she'd had so much fun with her massaging aid that 
Um, it had become lost and had been there for many, many years and it was mistaken for a pregnancy. And I think we're all glad that that was never announced uh, on television as to where that hand came from. But it does make it quite strange that the hand grew up and made an appearance on... Was it an old school version of Raw? Raw 1000. (laughs) (laughs) It grew up to be a healthy, healthy hand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Birds and Beans chat with Stephen (laughs) Lurch. So... That massaging aid grew up to be a wonderful man, oh, oh. and we've seen that was quite... <laughs> yeah, let's open the window. <laughs> I think we all need to cool down here. Um, so that apparently is the story of why there is a hand, and a hand on that note. <laughs> oh, come, on, guys, come, on, come on guys, let's get a grip here. That's right. Oh, Without, If we're going to talk about ladies and women in wrestling, our last one... Uh, to discuss of that era was one of Jerry Lawler's favourite divas that he's seen was Miss Kitty and later the cat and that was another one where we've seen real life and on screen blur because they decided that it wasn't worth keeping Miss Kitty on Jerry Lawler decided no I'm off if you're going to sack my wife I'm away as well and then she cheated on him so we've seen him come back later on um, later on that year after a wonderful year where I really enjoyed uh, Paul Heyman and Jim Ross being the commentary rather than um, at the time was becoming quite a stale and tired Jerry Lawler act um, but that was one they were never really I think there was a brief moment we right to censor that it came to a raid but there was never really that long term thing there but it just shows you that sometimes when if, it's, if you've got a relationship in wrestling and you think you're doing the right thing it doesn't always work out like that um, but from there, I think we all need a little minute to cool down. Um, <laughs> so I know over the last few weeks we've seen uh, a big thank you to everyone that has been tuning into the show. Um, we've had a large number of new listeners and people joining in for chats and discussions. So what I'm going to do now is just throw in some of our, our comments and high points from our previous shows. Where um, So if you want to go back and listen in our archive, they are all available on iTunes and the Android podcast site. So we'll just give you a little taste of that. Will we all take a moment and we'll be back with you shortly. This is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Fun fact, uh, as I was growing up, I grew up with a broken bed because uh, there was the mattress. Then there was the plank oh. of there was the plank of wood underneath uh, because uh, I choke slammed my brother through a bed. He was a willing participant, but he broke the bed. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was like similar to mankind going through the hell in a cell in 1998. It was carnage. So that plank of wood has been propping the bed up for about a very, very, very long time. But I you still, still have, that, you, you still I have, still that, have that same bed. Yeah, I've like, I've upgraded to a PS4, but I've not upgraded to a real bed. Up until he won the six-pack challenge. Jinder Mahal had an 80% loss record. And then between winning the Battle Royal and winning the championship, he had a couple of wins in between. And that only improved up to 75% uh, loss record. So that is madness. The the WWE, the WWE 50th ever WWE champion has a 25% win record, had no branding, no merchandise, and was pretty much a jobber for 95% of his career. How the hell do you explain that? You can see how much you love Jinder now, can't you? Oh, this is tremendous. I've never <laughs> but, seen something so and then, <laughs> and then the, the reason, rage. And then the reason, <laughs> and then the reason comes out is that 
There's a massive demographic in India that Vince McMahon, being the mad business <laughs> person that he is, decides he wants some of them, uh, wants to capitalize on it. And yeah, let's uh, let's just say, yeah, do we have an Indian guy on the roster? Oh yeah, there he is. Let's put the big belt on him and say, hey, look, India, you're um, one of your home home guys is, is champion. From give Canada. us your give us your sweet rupees. <laughs> hey, you're alive on air. How you doing? Oh, does that mean I can't swear? Yes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You're this alive. Is, this is, I'm under so You're much alive on already. sleep suplex retreat. Please do not swear. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, where, would you, where would you like to know? <laughs> How's it all building up? How's things over there? Well, the VIP queue's looking pretty damn big. <laughs> I'm just running into the normal queue to see where all the daffies are sitting. <laughs> See this, you're there. Could you be like a field reporter and can I, I be a field reporter? Be a field Those... reporter for us. Get, get some noise. Oh, the, the, Start some oh, chat. Yeah, by the way, the normal crew, the peasants are actually. Yeah, there's a few of them. A couple of snails, <laughs> I know. Ask him if anyone has their tops. What would you yeah. like to know for the, for the normal? Get, the normal, first of all, the get a get a chant going of some sort. Any chant, go for it. Who, who, who would you like to talk to? Anyone? <laughs> 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 first, get a chance going. Get a chance going. Get a chance. Get a chance right. going. I'll get a chance going in a minute. Poems like Total Divas, I think though he's still, to an extent, keep the sort of Divas tag there for like a money reason. So I don't think we're completely away from seeing the sort of train women and that sort of like. Yeah, um, we don't have our resident expert in Stacey in the studio today, <laughs> um, so we better not bash Total Divas too much as it was oh, her. I love Total Divas. I, I, I like it as well, I like it as well. <laughs> I have watched Total Divas, I have watched the first season of Total Bellas. It's, <laughs> it's wonderfully, it's a wonderful train wreck of I did not emotions. Even, I did not even know that there's been a spin-off, so that tells you that it's been much more successful than my eyes have seen. There is a show where John Laurinaitis is more charismatic than Natalia. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're coming live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet on Strathclyde Fusion! Welcome back everyone, that was a flavour of some of the highlights of that um, archive that we've got available at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Um, Go on and have a listen between now and next week. Let, give us your thoughts and comments. Let us know what you like or any suggestions for anything you want us to discuss in the future. Share them on our social media. Um, let's get interactive and let's hear what you people want to hear from us. So coming back, um, I'm going to start off with a couple in non-traditional terms as we've discussed up until now. We've seen early 2000s Smackdown seem to have a real love of couples and weddings and scenarios and it was something they went back to but this one was a little different. They were a tag team. They were a tag team of Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo managed by Rico and we've seen them go from being a tag team which looked like a couple of generic we've got these guys left from the invasion era. They were pretty similar builds let's put them together. But then something seemed to blossom between them. David, I've seen you make a dart for the microphone. Let's hear your thoughts on Billy and Chuck. Well, this is sort of around the, uh, the time 
where um, I started watching SmackDown around sort of that time. Like I seen clips of it here and there, but I wasn't watching it on a, a weekly basis. I do remember sort of Billy and Chuck as being sort of like SmackDown's newest newest couple, but I think it was also the first time they featured a gay couple on uh, WWE TV as well. So it was something completely like out of the norm for the time. And but what what I think was um, one of the controversial things about it is is that it was there to be used primarily for slander because I remember John Cena make, when he did his when he was rapping making his uh, entrances and stuff I remember he was slant like he was using the slander uh, towards Billy Gunn uh, a, a bit as well um, so I, I kind of have mixed feelings about Billy and Chuck a bit but I mean both very talented guys don't get me wrong uh, and it's a shame it didn't last and last much longer because Chuck Palumbo obviously went to Raw afterwards uh, but yeah, I think it could have been something, maybe in this day and age especially, because when uh, the the LGBTQ communities, um, one of the biggest talking points, and uh, it's a much more accepted in society than it was, say, 15 years ago. Yeah, it, it, it was there to be a background. Um. It was there to be a background act, and... Um, it give that little bit of controversy that built up towards the wedding. Uh, David, any thoughts on the wedding? Yeah, I, I was actually reading about the sort of gay rights groups' responses to the angle a wee bit, um, and what surprised me more was that there was the sort of anger and the disappointment that they didn't continue with the angle after the wedding more than anything else. Uh, they were saying uh, that they should have kept going with it and sort of let it blossom and let the angle evolve, but the fact that it just all ended and it was all... Uh, um, uh, big joke almost uh, I think that was the problem that most people had with the angle at the time uh, Andy, do you want to just talk us through what happened at the wedding? Uh, I was just going to like I'll just quickly follow on, it was like they had the backing of the sort of the gay rights and uh, they were unhappy because they didn't follow through but what had happened at the wedding was that they were they were getting married they had this uh, very old man uh, as a priest uh, and they came out and said that they weren't gay, they were actually uh, they were straight which uh, Upset the the community, the gay community, and uh, and we found out that the priest was actually Eric Bischoff in disguise, which was an amazing reveal. If you've not seen it, you have to check out. It's great. Uh, I think there's a really great story of on that day that Bischoff turned up in the full prosthetics and was going around backstage slagging off Eric Bischoff and asking and inviting others to join in and have a pop back at him. Um, so that's a a little bit of backstory to that, but it did lead to a lot of backlash. A bit of backlash, <laughs> backlash even, and we've seen certain newspapers like US, USA Today, etc., um, really hammer WWE for building up all that, and then just being the big reveal of oh no, we're just trying to get publicity. They were really, they were really sort of um, pushing the boundaries with a lot of controversial topics around that time. Like obviously, two thousand four was the whole, the whole gay angle, but then obviously the year after you had Muhammad Hassan and the. Arab American storyline, and that was very, very controversial. I think a lot of uh, newspapers picked up on that as well, saying it was offensive, etc. But yeah, they were really pushed. I mean, they really took sort of ruthless aggression attitudes back then seriously. They were really wanting to push the boundaries, which is a complete contrast to what it is nowadays. It, it was a switch around from <clears throat> we'd seen the attitude era almost tame out a bit, but then going to SmackDown did go through a few things controversial. We'd also seen on Raw, we'd seen the likes of the Katie Vick angle. So there was these moments for where everybody says, oh, all calm down after that attitude area. Some 
somebody somewhere went back into a very teenage phase of going for things that were just very, very offensive and not really thinking about the consequences of the follow-through. So for all the slagging that Vince Russo got, I think we can see there's a number of years where things got a lot worse in certain regards. Yeah, and it, you know, it just shows, goes to show how, th- how things have evolved uh, from back then to now. Like, because a lot of people back then would obviously like use the term gay as like slander and stuff. It's like, you could go like, haha, that's gay kind of thing. But nowadays, you know, it's, you wouldn't see anybody probably saying that because it's become almost like... Well, it's taboo. It's certainly, it's not, um, there's certainly some things that we'd heard on TV or insults used and thrown and insinuations. Uh, even in someone seen as very early raps, etc. Mm-hmm. There's certain references to things that we just wouldn't see fly these days. And it's certainly for the better when you look back at it, there is a lot of things in society. It's quite amazing how quickly society can change that these things that were quite easily just thrown about as insults and not meaning any kind of Badness go- from it because it was going against the norm essentially. Yeah, it was just it was just an insult. It, you didn't really think that someone was gay or uh, something like that or uh, racial slurs etc. wasn't seen as derogatory, but now it is and certainly cleans it up and does make it a lot more accessible for the wider audience. And certainly everybody should be able to feel welcome, whatever form of entertainment you go to see. And it's not to be that position of being feeling that oh I'm not comfortable here because of something that we don't have a a, a say in. It's just something that people are born with. Um, on a more light-hearted couple that was seen come together was the hillbilly couple of Jamie Noble and Nadia. Several funny moments came from them and their escapades as Jamie Noble went from being a, a, a bit of a cruiserweight, a um, bit bland, and then came in and really got a role for his own. Uh, Nadia came from one of the Tough Enough series, I believe, and it really was a chance for them to show their character and they did get a lot of screen time. Hockney. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. No. It was a. I. I briefly remember Jamie Noble and Nydia as well. I think it definitely sort of pairing them two together really made Noble look like a, a standout in the cruiserweight division. And I believe they uh, they 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 separated just before Mania Twenty, and it was in a blindfold match as well, which you don't see that often. And obviously, it brings up the issue of intergender matches as well, because I've only seen like a couple of those, as it were. Yeah, I think the last one we've seen, it was the first one in a long time, was James Ellsworth against Becky Lynch. Um, I don't think we've seen many much contact between the males and females for quite a long time um, since then. But they did have a, an interesting run, they got a lot of segments, I think they got a lot to do a lot of things away from the arena as well. They really helped them cement their characters, and then that led into uh, Mania 20, which was a, a multi-man and... Again, if you watch back, try and find original footage of Mania 20, because you see Ultimo Dragon make his entrance. <laughs> yeah. Um, he goes stage. flying. He should have got a, perma, a pair of perma grips for how quickly he went down. And um, they were just a fun couple. But then we went from a fun couple to quite a raunchy one. Where we discovered that Tory Wilson's father <laughs> had a thing for a younger lady. <laughs> that younger lady being? Dawn Marie of ECW fame. Mm. And she came in. They had a little bit of fun together. There's a, few ha- yet. there's a few hands going over faces here. I want someone else to do a bit of talking here. David in the corner. I just love this because I hadn't 
thought about this for years and I went back today and watched some of the segments and it's Taz's reaction on commentary to what's going on. I watched the segment they got engaged and Taz is just like, I'm not sure if this will be great, I'm not sure if it will be bad, but I can tell you, it will be memorable. <laughs> and I was just like, it certainly was Taz, I can't make up my mind to this day whether it was good or bad or not because we're still here talking about it. If you're still talking about it. 15, 16 years on, and you've left an impression. There's many things that people go, oh, that was terrible. But you still remember it. It can't be that bad if you still look back these many years on and go, oh, I remember that. And then you can tell all the details. So you you liked it enough to watch it. It was a suppressed memory, that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) One of many, Mr Hockney, but we'll not just... We'll save that for after the show. We'll get you to lie down the couch and we'll get them all out. <laughs> I'm not even meaning this. I'm not even meaning this. I just. I'm not sure I want to come back next week after this. I, I don't think I'll be allowed back next week after this, um, or allowed near anyone. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, Kwaku's giving me his judging eyes. Yeah, remind so. me never to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist ever if that's what goes on. I'm not really sure, but that angle did lead to. That unfortunate. Did he actually? I can't remember if he actually died or. No, he had a he had a heart attack. Uh, like they they were having a again another wedding, and he had a heart attack uh, when it happened. And he was uh, he had a big smile on his face when it happened. I mean, see if you were marrying Don Marie as well. I mean, would you not have a smile on your face? She was. A <laughs> she was fa- a beautiful woman. She was a, a very very beautiful woman. Um, a highlight of a sometimes turgid era where we've seen the likes of Big Vito etc cutting around and Smackdown it was certainly worth tuning in for late on a Friday night mm. or a Sunday morning if the folks were out anyway we'll skip by from there and again from talking a rated R wedding we'll go to the rated R superstar we started to see Edge climb his way up the, the ladder um, not really cementing his place as a heel despite putting on good matches and then it took an angle, well real life then, uh, art imitated real life and we've seen Matt Hardy depart WWE because in the used the very early days of the internet to let everybody know that Lita and Edge had been seeing each other whilst on the road, both of them cheating on respective relationships at the time. That then led to um, quite a, a famous segment in the Paul Heyman promo at One Night Stand um, where he said the three words that nobody was dared to say was Matt freaking Hardy. Mm-hmm. And then we seen Matt's return, and then there was a bit, because at the time, uh, I think Edge had been feuding with Kane. Yeah, it was the. Who was with, Lita was with Kane at the time. It was the Gold Rush tournament. That's what they were on. They were trying to determine a new number one contender after Backlash 2005. And yeah, eight people, Edge and Kane made it to the final. Edge was Mr. Money in the Bank at the time, so he already had a, an opportunity. But then, yeah, um, Lita handed Edge the Money in the Bank, used it against Kane, and yeah, she walked off with him. Yeah, and we'd seen that switch over. Um, and then we've seen a surprise appearance at a Raw, and we've seen uh, uh, Matt Hardy rushing. Uh, Sorry, there's too many names. There's too, yeah. there's too many uh, quick names in there. So we've seen Matt Hardy return. We've seen him go for Edge. He's uh, through the crowd, yeah. Yeah, started twitch out in things like Ring of Honor and making it seem very much like, oh, he's not actually meant to be there. And then a couple of minutes later, laid waste to that with, oh, look, he's back again and we've still got the camera on him. So that kind of took a bit of the believability of that shock attack. Um, any memories across the panel from. Um, the run of Edge and Lita and um, 
leading up to especially as well, some, probably something to talk through as well as the Edge's eventual cash-in and how they celebrated that. I remember uh, the I remember the Edge and later wedding, another wedding, where it was like, uh, when the priest was like, if anybody has anything to say, blah, 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 and then like Matt Hardy's music hit mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh my God, and they just, it wasn't even a part of the company then, <laughs> and it was just... Yeah, they were the playing ones. them. I remember that. Uh, I can't really remember. I, I can't really remember much. I, I, I remember when it happened, the the Gold Rush tournament, because I didn't know that the the real thing happened behind this the scenes. So I was like quite shocked when Lita did turn because she'd never been healed before. But they were, you know, they were good in bringing Matt Hardy back because he had that promo like McMahon gave him the mic, and I think there and then it can be. They realised that he wasn't going to be a main eventer. Uh, it was going to be Edge was the one that was going to. No, the, the, the feud did, did seem very much one-sided, and let's show him a bit for daring to air that dirty laundry, and, um, and for them pushing back down the mid card essentially. But yeah, so there was um, the, the the first match at SummerSlam as well, and that was a bit of a letdown because I think Matt got busted open, and it was so bad that it got waved off. No, uh, uh, the story apparently behind that is that it was supposed to look like it was a real fight, so that's why it was over fairly quickly. It was just to be them attacking each other and not give too much away, so that was to be their initial, let's just lay violence on each other in a very worked fashion. And then that led on to the cage match where Matt got a win. Uh, and with that epic leg drop off the oh. top, that was memorable. Yeah. Um, and then, was next night or a couple of weeks later? Yeah, there was Raw, the, Raw Homecoming. Yeah, uh, there was the leave, Loser Leaves... Loser Leaves Raw. Thank you. Here we go. <laughs> Easy for you to That's say. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so we've seen that, um, and then uh, Matt lost that defining part. It was a Money the in the Bank ladder match as well. Where, yeah, it was a ladder match. That he came back? Well. And the Money in the Bank briefcase was above the ring. Was it? Right. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Lita held Matt within the ropes, and, yeah, that's how Edge won. It was just dirty tactics again. But then yeah. Matt just went to sort of being a mid-carder on SmackDown, and, you know, he wasn't as high-profiled as high profiled as he was in the, in the yeah. previous few months. Because we did see Edge go on to use that Money in the Bank briefcase that you had discussed earlier on, and took on um, John Cena shortly after the Elimination Chamber. The very first cash-in as well, that was very memorable. Yeah. Uh, took on John Cena. Uh, David? Well, yeah. Uh, what followed that will live on in infamy, especially in my relationship with my grandfather. Um, this was around the time I started to watch <laughs> wrestling. Right, so basically we didn't have Sky Sports, so my granddad used to record it on VHS tapes and give it to me. So one night he thought, I'll stay up and I'll watch, see what's happening in this show. So he gets me the video the next day, and he's like, um, I'm not sure you should really be watching this. Of all the yeah. bras to record, and on VHS as well, that's yeah. going back in time. So that's pretty dodgy. It still did that after that. I think that says something about him rather than it does. R- rather, than your, <laughs> rather than what your grandfather watched, could you, could, you, could you tell us a bit more about what the angle was itself and um, keep it a bit clean and describing what happened in the ring rather than your grandfather's living room? <laughs> I'm not sure how to describe this, so as you can see. Basically, it's a, it was a live coitus um, no, extravaganza on Monday night. A, 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 live, a live sex celebration. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're quoting, so it's allowed. <laughs> there was a bed set up in the ring, and yeah, it's just the, you could probably imagine the rest of it. <laughs> I mean, what? We, <laughs> what? They must have had some real uh, nerves of steel to go out and do that in front of what a, a, an audience of about twelve thousand people. Odd. I, uh, mean, okay, if, if I don't see how anybody could have done that. 
If you've never performed in front of 12,000 people, David, then you've never lived. <laughs> Andy? Actually, like, she got her kit off because there's a part where the camera actually catches the side of it. Which, uh, I remember watching it live and you actually can't say what uh, it was. But, it's uh, uh, wardrobe malfunction. The one, yeah, that's the best way. And it was yeah. kind of like you saw the cameraman just like run the opposite way because it was like... Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 they'd walk through early in the evening and yeah. he'd wandered into ground that he should never have done. <laughs> <laughs> right, just uh, clean your mouths out, people. Mine's here. Let's. Yeah. Uh, the best part about it is Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a bunch of interferences as well, like from Ric Flair and Cena, and, and I think he uh, he aid Lita at the end of it as well. Yeah, uh, just rem- reminded me of a segment that involved uh, Edge at that time because they did have a little feud with Ric Flair, and Ric Flair had been done for road rage, and we did see Edge dressed up by the side of the road. And they were feuding over the Intercontinental Championship, and that was the the match he had at Revolution, New Year's Revolution, before he cashed in. Yeah. Um, oh, it's totally, totally lost now. Right, somebody Google it and find out. It's actually a, it's a famous wrestler that he figure forward. I, I can't remember who it is now. Oh, um, I don't remember that footage. There was, was, there was somebody on the road, because uh, they reenacted it, and Edge put the figure four on it. Um, somebody said it recently, right? Everybody's googling. We'll come back to who that was, but it <laughs> yeah. was it's somebody who's now like a well-known talent. Um, so we've seen them, and I, I can't can anybody remember how they actually came to a finish with them being a couple? Was it when Lita left, or yeah, was it, it was then? she left the Survivor Series two thousand and six, I believe, uh, and her last match was against Mickey James. So yeah. ha- had they been a couple all the way up through that? Yeah, they've been a couple right up to that. Yeah, they've basically been a couple on screen. There was a sort of soft breakup when he joined up with Rated RKO. Um, at the time, Lita was getting sort of less and less involved. Yeah, she was getting a lot of slander towards her as well. You know, people were calling her like like slut and no, no. she's a whore that kind of thing. Whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> it's quoting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's quoting and then there's quoting. Yeah. I would David. I would say though, my favourite Edge and Lita memory was at WrestleMania 22. Uh, when Edge took on Mick Foley yeah. and I think it epitomises what Lita really did to elevate Edge's act to that time and push him into the main event I don't think Lita gets enough credit for the legacy of Edge um, and what she did for him is maybe she should because she really did act to his act to that point She was kind of the catalyst of him becoming rated R uh, it, it was very much what brought him to being a main event heel rather than being a, a mid-car flounder and it did give him that that edge, so to speak. Uh-huh. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Edge briefly mixed up, and um, we're just going to discuss the next woman who had a few on-screen partners on at the same time. So well, we've just found out who that. Uh, the well, I- I- Andy googled it, so let him say it, David. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, Robbie E from uh, TNA. That's who it was. Oh. Uh, I knew it. I'd heard it recently that it, uh, it was him. So that was who got that figure four on the road in that part of the segment. The next woman of wrestling who we've seen recently return at the Rumble as well was uh, Mrs. Vicky Guerrero. Uh, Vicky had a couple of on-screen partnerships, um, teaming up with, with Edge and having La Familia. And we'd also seen um, her teaming up with Dolph Ziggler. Um, what's everyone's key moments and memories of uh, Mrs. Guerrero? Her shouting, excuse me, is never going to leave my head because yeah. it, it was like a banshee screaming. <laughs> Honestly, it was... Ah. Horrible, <laughs> but it was good to see her again at the Rumble. It was nice. Yeah, but she, it, it was quite a turnaround. From um, we'd seen her quite awkwardly at first, involved in the uh, Eddie and Ray feud about the the fatherhood of young Dominic, and we then seen it move on from uh, when she came in and she had to play the heel character. She, um, I think she very quickly became quite natural at it, yes. and was that definition of someone 
that excuse me went right through everyone. She got the right kind of heat. She always got a response. She was never someone who came at the crickets. There was always a crowd reaction for when she appeared because mm. there was that backstory of, of she's uh, Eddie was so beloved, and then everybody she got involved with since David. Yeah, what I really loved about Vicky Guerrero was she was a character on her own. She didn't really rely on Edge. It was more Edge that wanted to get in with Vicky uh, to get the power that Vicky had on SmackDown. Because don't forget, when Vicky first turned to you, it was her machinations that managed to get Teddy Long out of uh, the GM position. On wait, SmackDown. wait, go back there. What was that you used? Machinations. There? Machinations. That's machinations. got to be a first on each sleep soup like three three. The first person to Google that and I'll send you prizes. Yeah. <laughs> but she really, she was. Uh, at many occasions put as the brain behind Edge at times um, like a typical manager should uh, when she tried to ban the Hell's Gate for The Undertaker mm. and stuff like that uh, she was a very able uh, character in her own right which I think is why her and Edge were probably the best partnership they had because he could sort of match that character that she brought to the table in a way I don't think Dolph could at the time in his career Yeah, she, she was on the right with Edge and they had that level over, and it was very much a tool to try and bring Ziggler up and went down a bit there. So, Mr. Hockney. Yeah, sorry, just uh, I think, you know, we're talking about Edge and Ziggler, you know, being sort of Vicky's uh, uh, sort of partners in crime, as it were. But I think we're missing uh, one person who was uh, briefly there for 2009. She was introduced, or he was introduced as her, her new man, as it were. And in his first match, he qualified for the SmackDown Bragging Rights team in 2009. We're talking a Mr. Eric S. Scobar. Yeah. Who was who was around for about the length of a sneeze and then he disappeared. Yeah, probably as long as we've just discussed him on the show, but we'll move <laughs> on from him. So I'm, I'm going to move into um, more of the modern era. So we're going to look at the last few years or so. Um, and one of the... Where we've seen couples start to come together um, and speaking to Sarah beforehand, this is one of our, our favourite um, runs of mm. people jumping around from relationship to relationship, uh, more so than we're seeing... Some of the tales of wrestling uh, was where we've seen Daniel Bryan and AJ Lee and then uh, we've seen Daniel Bryan lose the, the title in very quick fashion at WrestleMania against Sheamus and then there was a bit of a discord between them and then we started to see AJ going with his opponents to try and uh, get to spite him and we've seen um, our into messing around with Kane and also with CM Punk. So Sarah, share some of <laughs> sh- Sarah, share some of your memories of that well, those see, moments. I think this is probably like one of my most favourite things about AJ Lee. Like, oh, so I've got her book, and I'm sitting reading back about all this, and just seeing obviously like she's saying that like, she's jumping from one to the other to one to the other, interfering in matches, and you could actually the one thing you could never tell whose side she was actually on, and I think that's probably what I loved it was it was the unpredictability that came with her character. And she was given so much creative control with that, saying she's allowed to obviously just go mad and it's just like just that wee creepy little it was that creepy little smile though that just it just sold it because obviously I remember like reading back and she says that CM Punk's like running out to try and like protect her and all this sort of stuff and obviously kiss creepy little smile push him off into the table and then you're just like wait wait what that's that's I what I love the that. most about it yeah there's a lot of uh, enigma around it so to speak. I can use fancy words too. What was it? What was your word? Sorry, Enigma. Enigma. That's yeah. not a big word. That's a nightclub in Stirling. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> was it when I was actually looking up AG Lee? There was a good full page of AG Lee and AG Lee and mm-hmm. oh, Jesus Christ. I was like, where am I going to start with this? But no, I, I, I kind of with the Vicky Guerrero stuff. I kind of came out of wrestling. It was about 2010, was it? 2011 when yep. the 18 seconds thing happened. That's when I sort of came back in, and I remember that and. 
And uh, apparently as well, like, uh, does anybody watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Because apparently Daniel Bryan used the Dennis system on... Uh, I find it's a good segment, but I can't find it on uh, online. But no, I was going to say with Age Lee, I think she was the one that pretty much started the yes moment with that 18 seconds with a kiss of death. <laughs> David? Yeah, in hindsight with AJ, I was always a big... I was shipping, as it were, Kane oh, yeah. J, as I like to call it. I think Kane and AJ should have got together at that point. <laughs> that is what should have happened. AJ is the voice of Kane and have like this sort of... You've seen the movie The Strangers where they break it and it's like this couple that are like crazy. I would have loved that with Kane and AJ. I thought that would be amazing. But alas, we uh, never got it. No, she became the GM of Raw. The, basically, she married CM Punk in the end. Yeah. She made a decision out of the three. <laughs> yeah, and they did disappear off and she did follow when Punk took his ball and went home, as some may say. Others may say standing up for his principles. Mm. and went to go fight in a cage Kwaku wants to add something here one thing I do remember was the wedding between AJ Lee and Daniel Bryan oh my god oh no <laughs> there was a moment where Vince McMahon comes out and you generally think Vince is coming to marry AJ but then he <laughs> announces that um, she is becoming Raw GM that, that bit I don't like yeah, and did she not have... There was a brief pairing with John Cena after that was yeah. how she yeah. got removed from the Raw GM mm-hmm. position. And that also involved Dolph Ziggler as well. Yeah. And uh, one Vicky Guerrero as well, who was the one who, I believe, uncovered the footage. Mm. Yeah, because it, um, it was between her, uh, Ziggler, and Big E in a little uh, grouping. Is it just me or Ziggler had a lot of uh, female, female associates in his time? Because, I well, mean, he had, obviously, Vicky, he said AJ... And I think he also had a, a brief uh, relationship with Caitlyn, or as we all know as Celeste Bonin, on NXT. Oh. Yes, he did, because there was a segment I was looking at between Edge and Vicky on SmackDown. Vicky's like, well, you cheated on me before a wedding. And I was like, well, Dolph cheated on you with Caitlyn last week in NXT. And she's like, well. <laughs> she's like, uh, <laughs> there was actually one other person as well, a Miss Maria Kanellis in mm. 2009 when he first started uh, sort of coming into his own as a singles competitor. I mean, I think they had a brief relationship as well. Yeah. Well, Maria was together with a lot of guys at that time. She was teaming with Jeff Hardy, uh, John Cena. I think uh, they had. I think those were just. Nah, they were, I think these were more mixed tag team matches. But they, him, she and Ziggler had a a long, a long uh, relationship. Uh, it, it was certainly something we've seen as being at that time. The, the female competitors were more of a a compliment to the male competitor, and to get involved in a story, it had to be some kind of love interest rather than getting proper storylines of them. Would you say they were like walkout girls, as it were? I wouldn't go that far down, but it did seem to be that you needed to have to get a story. You needed to have a. There need to be. I mean, it had say that a Maria and Ziggler, or someone AJ and Cena, and that sort of thing. It had so. that sort of impression, though. I mean, you had the the male competitors performing, and you had they were escorted by beautiful women. Yeah, that wouldn't be allowed in this day and age. No, um, but m- moving on, just to a more enlightened era, I just want to talk about more of the more of the recent changes we've seen since things have happened, and we've got more of a an even keel between the competitors and with his special talent of pronunciation I want to bring our next couple into the discussion so Kwaku please give us the names of the next couple we're going to discuss with pleasure it is Andrade Cianamas and Zelina Vega so I'm going to put across the panel um, to our more of our fans of NXT as a non-network subscriber I haven't seen a great deal I'd seen some of Almas's early work and to be honest it didn't really live up to the hype for me but I have heard that he's lived he's certainly came on now and has given a lot more personality and flavour and that's been brought from this relationship so 
for those of us who may not watch NXT, let's bring bring me up to speed a little across the panel. Sarah, seen you nodding first. Let's see yeah. your th- thoughts first. Well, obviously, you saw Almas going through a very, very long string of losing streaks, and it was just like going down. It just seemed to be going like down that sort of bachelor playboy party route for a wee while, and obviously, it just seemed to be losing his own way. And obviously, you're cutting to Selena Vega in the audience where she's actually clicking on that she can actually bring him back and obviously since they've actually started pairing together it's like that strong woman that a guy might actually need in his life um, so obviously ever since they've been pairing together it's more more manager less valet which is obviously what you would usually see but now he's actually seems to be coming into his own and they're actually the, the chemistry that they two have actually got together Honestly, if you did not even watch NXT, if you watched it for the first time, you would actually assume they were a couple in real life. And that's the chemistry that they've got, and it just, it shows in their matches. Yeah, because I think the thing that was missing from Almas was his character work and his ability to deliver a promo, Mm -hmm. which is what Vega just brought to the table in spades, and instantly is a main event NXT star at that point when he has that extra dimension, uh, which I think is shown by the fast track they gave him to the NXT Championship. Now, I don't know if that was the the plan, uh, because there was some speculation that injuries to Drew McIntyre may have... Mm-hmm. forced that but is certainly deserving of it now because him and Vega together um, are one of the more entertaining acts oh, not only in NXT uh, I'd argue in the entire WWE they can make the jump to the main roster um, and be in the intercontinental title picture uh, against the Miz tomorrow I uh, will see you heard like the big pop that you got for the Royal Rumble when they two came out Obviously, I'm sitting and like watching it, and I was having to also keep quiet because I have family at home. But I really wanted to just scream the place down because I seen them come out. I was just like, "That is yeah. it! That is my Royal Rumble moment!" And, I was so happy. And they had a lot of good goodwill from the five star match that Meltzer yes. gave them from the night before, obviously, yes. uh, with that crowd there. Um, but I think she really gave him the opportunity to mm-hmm. put on those type of matches on the big stage. Um, and similar to what Lita did for Edge, I think we're going to see that Vega uh, may have did that for Almas if. Uh, Vega uh, Almas ends up being the bigger star between the two because we don't know what's going to happen nah. in the future. We did see from that relationship we've seen um, what's been the first five star match that WWE has had um, in a long long time um, since Punk Cena at yeah, Money in the Bank. Yeah, um, we've seen at the end of that match we've seen uh, Vega getting involved in it and so I've got the. This is where my lack of watching WWE will come. Is it Vega? Or Vega. Fast? Vega. Ah, yeah. yeah, I did have it right. Sorry. Um, the um, we'd seen at the end of the match that um, was facing Johnny. He was uh, Almas was facing Johnny Gargano, and we've seen um, Vega getting involved, and we've seen the debuting uh, Candice LeRae um, come out to defend her husband, and that's looking to be a, a pairing that's immediately just been put together, proper husband and wife, and getting involved with each other. Um, they have had certain things they've done before in independent circuit, but it's really good to see them getting that burst straight away that um, they're getting to be together and just being seen straight away as being a star at the top of the card well yeah it's a good it's a good way to elevate candace uh, right away uh, the problem i had with it coming in was obviously she's a competitor in her own right mm. does she need to be paired with johnny right away but like you say it's a good way of getting her right to the top of the card and being that sort of counterpoint to zelina you see you know, a lot of husband and wife duos on wwe tv these days i mean I don't think it really surprises me that they're putting Candice with Johnny because, I mean, it, it's a natural chemistry connection. And because I think if she put her with some random NXT yeah. tag team, for example, uh, it would just be 
it just would seem forced. And I don't think Candace would get as over her unless she was with someone she actually has real life chemistry with. Yeah, and talking of real life chemistry with her, she has been very, very successful in her own uh, regards. The number of intergender matches, teaming up with Joey Ryan, and again matching with what we previously discussed about the success of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and such, getting into Hot Topic in America, they were the next people to be asked to put a t-shirt in, so you can currently get their store, their t-shirt um, across the United States and Canada. Um, it just shows the level of style that she was at before she went in, so it's not just in a placement of being Johnny Gargano's wife, it's, well she's a star so let's put her up there straight away because this is someone they know can shift merchandise, very believable and very talented in the ring. As we get near the end of the show, I want to talk a bit about, firstly about the, the blurring of reality. Um, with It's a shame that we don't have a resident Total Divas expert, Stacey Smith, but she's just far too in demand on Valentine's evening for any kind of uh, joining us in the studio. Um, we'll, he- we'll hear from her uh, very soon, but we're g- just to talk about the, the kind of Total Divas era, um, then we've got Total Bellas, we've now got, it'll be soon to be David's number one TV of the sh- show of the week, being uh, Ms and Mrs. Um, <laughs> so we started to see more of these real life relationships have their own relationship on Total Divas and then come into being in stories, so we've seen things like John Cena's proposal, um, which we'll soon see... Just to pop Stacey, we'll soon see the murder of Nikki Bella. <laughs> <and> <laughs> allegedly. Um, so, of the panel, I don't know how many of us are Total Divas watchers, but in terms of the stories they brought into the main shows, what are some of the things that have been memorable for you guys? Miz and Maurice, obviously, I think, are one of the more noticeable yeah. ones. You know, they've got a baby on the way, and they've got, like you said, you mentioned Miz and Mrs. I think the sky's the limit for the two of them, considering that, you know, I think they were both, like, when they were both doing their first. Uh, sort of bits with WWE when he was United States champion, she was uh, sort of Divas champion at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were sort of, they were doing okay, but now they're sort of transitioning to main event level now. And obviously, Maurice isn't going to be around for a while because you know she's got a she'll be having the, the baby soon. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting, especially in the storyline the Miz and Maurice had at WrestleMania with John Cena and Nikki Bella, that Total Divas was constantly alluded to mm-hmm. throughout that. Yeah. Um, the Miz and Maurice were constantly making fun of the personas that Nikki and John mm-hmm. portrayed on the show, which was hilarious and made that rivalry something that could have been absolutely dreadful and turned it into very entertaining <laughs> in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah, and it was very much a tool to help them get on the type of channels that would normally advertise WrestleMania. So if you've got these couples, etc., it gives you the likes of the e-network and things like that they'll get you on the different shows and discuss it so it's very very good use of that variances between um real life and real and wrestling reality because mm-hmm. it's still real to every one of us yeah <laughs> and i think uh, how someone is portrayed in total divas can help them um on the show itself because i think that's why rusev has obviously got this surging popularity right now but he's portrayed very well in that show he's a really funny guy he comes across reality. as very genuine yeah very genuine very dry sense of humor and he just like anytime he's on the screen like you gravitate towards he seems like a great guy and i think that's what you're sort of seeing that because i think even marie in the first two seasons of total divas really rub people up the wrong way so that's not going to endear you to a crowd especially um not getting the support and internet fans that might be more tuned in to what's happening on that show i mean give eva props i mean she tried she tried like getting into <laughs> wrestling and stuff but, but she just was not clicking with the audience she, but no they say that though and i'll go back to this a heel should be someone who does something that you don't want to see 
So the heel, sh a babyface should be doing something. A heel should be someone that stopping someone doing something. We've seen her stop have matches happening. We've seen her walk out. We've seen him when she was suspended. They made use of that and played up that we weren't get because everybody wanted to see her get beat up. And her whole persona was that was never going to happen. I mean, never ever seen that with her. So for all she got a lot of criticism, she got a reaction, and she did draw a lot of heat back. That you did see people being really resentful and things for her because like, oh, she's not earned it. But there's only so much earning you can do, and she was getting that reaction, and it just turned out in the end it wasn't to be. But it wasn't like she walked out to crickets. It was always when she did show up, and the many times she didn't, there was always a reaction there. It was a shame because the last few months of her career in WWE were arguably her best. Like up into that point, she wasn't get the reaction. The character wasn't there uh, to be paired with that reaction and make the most of it. But that character she had with the voiceover, like Eva Marie is entering the ring, uh, was definitely something that was catching fire at that point. Can we talk more about Rusev and Lana? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ravishing Rusev Day. Uh, it's not just Valentine's Day now, it's Ravaging Rusev Day. And Lana got her first televised win, I believe, in the mix yeah, match right, yeah, last night. Spoilers, spoilers. Spoiler alert, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if, you've, if you've not watched it yet, yeah, that Thanks. happened. But no, I love Rusev and Lana. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. They've been. <laughs> they've been, like, obviously paired since the. Uh, NXT days. Yeah, since the NXT days. They had the little hiccup uh, with the Dolph Ziggler and Summer Rae feud. Ugh. And that's another woman Ziggler's been with, Summer Rae. Oh, and I also had a brief segment with Lana as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting to see how Lana and Rusev have evolved since then because yeah. they very much were the Ivan Drago um, paired with his wife in Rocky Four when they first entered. And now uh, they've become something totally different up until this point. Because they didn't get punished for uh, leaking their engagement. And that was why the storyline stopped between uh, Summer Rae and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. That was a sort of mixed response to that. We don't know if it was... Uh, Reality or if, not. If it was planned or not. You know, maybe WWE let it leak, or did they just keep it hidden? No, there was a lot of backlash about that. Um, mm. Because they stopped. They basically stopped the story dead um, when they put up the picture themselves and yeah. shared it via social media, which then went to TMZ. And then WWE was left in the position of, well, why have you got there a couple... We've seen that she's not actually Russian, and we've got um, they're we've got them all kind of other, yeah. about. Mm -hmm. So it did it did lead to things changing around pretty quickly, um, and then I'd say that's probably been quite the one stumbling blocks in um, Russell's push because he's got all the talent and things like that, and it seems that he was made to kind of. He's the most over guy on SmackDown right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. I can't remember. What's, uh, what's the phrase you use again for someone kind of getting punished and made to eat the... Buried. Yeah, no, not buried, <laughs> but kind of... Uh, 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 that's good. No, that's, that's something good. Um, but like, <laughs> you kind of just have to eat, eat the rubbish that you're kind of getting put, given. You from. put in the doghouse. Yeah, in the doghouse. We'll go with that one. Uh, it's almost like I don't prepare for these things. Honestly, I do, people. There's agendas <laughs> on the table and I share these out, but just that came in with there and that will come to me in the showers tomorrow morning and I'll be like, right, and I'll be writing a group chat and telling everybody this is what I meant. So, then, I, um, we've got, um, as, at the moment, as has been briefly mentioned there, we've seen some of these real-life pairings bleed into... Um, real life with the mix match challenge, we've seen things like that go on. So it definitely is more of a an embracing of real life and reality as we go through there. But just to bring things a bit closer to home, because that has been quite a WWE, WWF heavy show as we went through. Um, I want to talk some of the, the more local ones. So quite a few of us here are quite regulars at ICW, um, <laughs> and we've seen 
that there's not always a split where we talked about where we've not seen many mixed challenges, mixed, mixed uh, gender matches. It's always been quite a staple from uh, all the way through ICW. So we've seen uh, the likes of Liam Thompson and Carmel went from being partnered together to having a very intense match at uh, Square Go two years two years ago now, um, and um, we've now seen uh, Carmel's now in the Hall of Fame. And they had many stories together. Um, also, we've seen the crowning at the weekend of the 2018 Square Goal winner mm-hmm. of Stevie Boy, interviewed last week, uh, which you'd heard on our Square Goal preview show, and the full interview will be up um, at some point in this week, so make sure you're subscribed to our podcast channels to watch that coming through. Um, any favourite moments of Stevie and Kayleigh across the panel? Oh, Stevie's on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've, got, we've got to have more memories of them than just something that happened on Monday night. No. <laughs> See, I've always just deemed that they are the king and queen of ICW right now. Like, yeah. they are absolutely on fire. Like, you you think Kaylee's in her own right. She's dominating all over the world. Like, you've seen her in the Mae Young Classic. You've seen her in Japan. You've seen her... God, I don't, I don't know where I've not seen her, to be honest. Yeah. And, and it's just, obviously, Stevie... He doesn't take anything away from her, but he is like she is still the queen at his side, and yeah. she's always helping him out, and she's always going to be there, basically right next to him when he needs her. There's there's never been a one's more important than the other. Nah. Um, we've seen them coming through. She started assisting the Bucky Boys. Um, then we've seen when there was the split between uh, the Bucky Boys. We've seen it was Kaylee that first jumped uh, Davy Boy. And then we've seen the reveal where she took off her mask, and then we've seen Stevie then turn on Davy as well. So they went into the NAK together, they left the NAK together, and went on to become the Filthy Generation. We've seen Kaylee stand her own in matches against just about everyone, um, with a variety of tag matches against uh, iterations of the NAK. We've seen her going and do the women's title thing, we've now seen her this year basing it, saying, well, she's not going for the women's title this year, and it's going to be more of a focus towards uh, the male division. So I certainly wouldn't rule out. At the end of this year, seeing Stevie as uh, world heavyweight champion and Kaylee being the zero G champion, yeah, um, just have the filthy generation take those tag titles and they'll yep. be happy. Yep. And the happy couple of the Kings of Catch being in the position of tag champions yes. as well um, certainly could be a, a greasy, gold-filled <laughs> household, um, which I'm sure they've got four four bunk beds where they all just converge and plan how they're going to dominate <laughs> the world. <laughs> Good one. Oh gosh. There was nothing in right. You just try to get me in bad places. Right. Matt, as we approach the end of today's show, I'm gonna talk about my favourite couple in ICW history. It is the couple of Viper and the real David Campbell Thompson. <laughs> Not this imposter. <laughs> In the corner, it doesn't even have a tash, for God's sake. <laughs> or the singlet. Uh, uh, well, it, well, we'll still find out. The show finished in three minutes. We'll, <laughs> we'll find out what's under that rose-covered hoodie that he's wearing. <laughs> so, we've got Viper and DCT. They had the wedding at the uh, Shug's house party a few years back, interrupted by nearly everyone. So we've seen Rab Florence turn on them as the minister, as the... I can't remember the exact term he gave himself. It wasn't a minister, but it was some kind of humanist ceremony master. Um, 55 ruined it and then that led to a year long feud with Bram that then went to the next year's Shug's House Party and 
we've seen the combination of DCT and Viper uh, take down the evil Bram, uh, who's a lovely man, and then that was the, that was that feud, and we've not seen them kind of pair together, we've seen a brief bit at the, the square go at the weekend, we've seen uh, DCT rush to Viper's aid as Joseph Connors went to attack him with a chair, and um, there are a couple that kind of come and go and look after them, and have given us plenty of fun moments with dressed as Santa, etc., as time has went on. So that is my favourite couple in wrestling. Um, just we've got a couple of minutes left there. Any anybody we've missed across the panel, or anybody we want to give a bit more, or just shout Rusev Day. Rusev Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one uh, one couple I think uh, we have mentioned, but I think it, they had some presence in sort of uh, ruthless aggression era. Uh, Booker and Charmel. Mm. You know the the old classic husband and wife angle. You know she was watching him from ringside, and then she became more involved storyline wise. Yeah. Like when he had a feud with Kurt Angle in two thousand five, and of course, who could forget his stint as King Booker and Queen Charmel? Brilliant! Like easily the best power couple WWE had going as part of the ruthless aggression era. Mm-hmm. But then they left in two thousand seven, which is a bit of a shame. So Gemma, you've been far too quiet. Right, no. tell us your but favorite couple in wrestling. My favorite couple has always been Melina and John Morrison. Ah, from the M&M days. Yeah, basically, I've always wanted to be Melina since I was really young. I used to go around the house with these fluffy boots on, pretending I was Melina. Yeah, that's a couple we missed there. So, as we've seen, we've given a a brief tour across all the many couples in wrestling. There's many, many more. I said, join our discussions on Facebook and Twitter with any that you think we've missed or want to discuss. We never know. Um, There's plenty of material there. We could maybe get a second show in the future. Valentine's Day next year. Don't think it falls on a Wednesday, but... If it does, we'll all be back here, maybe four or five years' time in the future when that all happens. Um, I'd just like to thank everyone across my panel I've had today, um, from Gemma, Sarah, David, Andy, David, Deep Breath, Kwaku. Thank you, everyone, for today. I think we've had a really fun show. Um, again, follow us at Suplex Retweet on Twitter, at Eat Sleep Suplex Repeat on, repeat on Facebook. Subscribe to us on all your favourite iPod sites. Um, make sure the shows come through automatically to you and you don't have to worry about missing as um, the shows go up very quickly and are a great listen to fill us from one week to the next. Next week will be a discussion on the WWE Hall of Fame and I uh, hope that everyone will join us again same time next week 5.30 on Strathclyde Fusion. I have been Steve Louch, thank you again everyone and we will speak to you soon. Thanks. <laughs>